Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your RV lifestyle digital home. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile RV studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Hello, this is Ken, your RV Navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot. And we're actually talking to you from a campground this month. We're so excited. We've been on the road almost a month. And we've had to apologize to you every month because we don't have much to say about RVing. But this month... We've been RVing! Yay! We are staying in an extremely nice Ohio State Park on the shore of Lake Huron called Maumee State Park. And I was impressed with myself um, (laughs) because I actually took notes from somebody Uh else's blog who raved about this park. And I actually remembered where my note was and we booked it for the Labor Day weekend. As you probably know, we are not very fond of making reservations and planning far ahead, but... While all you young families are still on the road, (laughs) we have had to be a little bit more planful, and certainly for a holiday weekend, you need to get reservations, because this place will be full for the next three days. And it's hot and sunny, so there will be lots of people in the water on Lake Huron. And this park also has little lakes for swimming and fishing, and it has a... 18-hole links golf course, of course it's, and a, a it's a really beautiful park. We and, never heard of it before. And it's huge. The sites are huge. The park is huge. We're very impressed. And how are you surviving with 30-amp electric? This <laughs> <laughs> is 50-amp. And no sewer. I had to do a lot of laundry the last oh, night yes. to get ready to come to this place. Because yeah, we're going to be here for four nights. And we're just going to kind of chill out while everybody is enjoying the last weekend of summer and the beginning of our travel season. (laughs) (laughs) We're sorry to say. Ohio parks are very nice. We've enjoyed them. Uh, This is not the first time we've stayed in an Ohio State Park, but we can say that the Michigan State Parks are not nearly as friendly. Well, we pay nice. to stay here, and then that's it. None of this vehicle tag business with a tag for your Jeep they and make a tag you pay for your motorhome. Every motorized vehicle has to have a sticker, and that means that for our motorhome, we have to have a sticker, and we have to have a sticker for the car, which doesn't make any sense to us. If you tow in a trailer and live in that, you don't have to have a sticker. The poor clerk who checked us in at the one state park we stayed in in the UP in Michigan really got an earful from us. <laughs> I felt kind of bad for her. And it really wasn't her fault, but Not I, at that's all. just. Uh, it really is keeping us. We went. We, we oh, stayed yeah, at that oh, park yeah. because it was the weekend and it was the yeah, only place yeah, we could yeah. find to stay. Yeah. And we were, yeah, we had to leave the other campground that we were at. We have left uh, the Chicago area and we went north and spent a week at Golf Camp. This was an elder hostel pro- program. <laughs> not an which, elder hostel, no, no. no. Oh, a Rhodes, this was a Rhodes Scholar, Scholar program, yes. which Formerly I'm embarrassed to say that I've now been to three times, which tells you about the state of my golf game. <laughs> You've been to the this- <laughs> um, But every time I learn a lot and forget nearly all of it. <laughs> But I was surprised. And how is your golf camp? <laughs> I was surprised to find that there were other people at golf camp who had been there even, even more, more often times. than I had. Right. So it's a wonderful experience. And it's a nice chance to play at a very nice course that we couldn't otherwise afford. And they offer you plenty of time for just recreational playing of golf. And it's on a nice lake. In Green Lake, Wisconsin, yes. um, the Lawsonia Golf Course. We'll give them a plug because they do a very nice job. And once and, again, yes. And they, they get all these Road Scholar does poor a nice job. semi-professional golf people. <laughs> 
who come and watch you and try to give you a few tips that you can incorporate into your game and to improve a little. And if you're an RVer, they let us stay on their property in the RV park. Yes, I mean that was actually listed in the program as an option. Most of the time, we stay as commuters which means we're supposed to be local people commuting from home, and we find a campground locally that we stay in. But this was actually, they have a campground on the campus, and we stayed in it with 50 amp. And water and sewer. Whoa. All, everything I need. And we were very surprised because we wanted to stay an extra night, and they kicked us out. Because it was the weekend again. It was the weekend again, and they were... Um, I, I would think we must have talked about road scholar programs yes, before, sure uh, but I want to encourage you yes. um, to take a look at their website, roadscholar.org. Uh, they have programs literally all over the world, and with our encouragement, they <laughs> offer more and more um, RV possibilities right. so you can stay in your rig and attend the program for the week. But, of course, most people don't have an RV, and so they come and they stay in the a hotel or in a right. dorm. It depends on where you are. What, what, and they have very the nice learning programs. Uh, uh, every conceivable activity is covered. So if you like birding, if you like ceramics, if you like to learn how to play a musical instrument. And I was looking at one that's backstage at Las Vegas, which we might do next winter. I would love like cool. to do that, yeah. Yeah, they're offering that again. Yeah. So there are lots and lots of Road Scholar programs, roadscholar.org, and you should maybe take a look at it. So we spent uh, – the, the Road Scholar programs are Sunday through Friday. So we spent Sunday through Friday uh, there, and that was about 200 miles north. Oh, and the weather was perfect. Fabulous. Not a drop of rain, not very hot. Not very hot. Just yeah. as you would like it. But of course, the program ended on a weekend and we had no place to stay. <laughs> we hate the weekends. Um, so we ended up at a casino in Green Bay. Green Bay, the home of our football rival, the Green Bay Packers, <laughs> took a very yeah, interesting that, that, tour of Lambeau Field. Yeah. Um, a nice tour guide gave what I thought was a rather even-handed explanation well, of no. it all. Well, not even-handed. He was very pro-Packers. But, but, but he was not. He understood there were fans from other teams that yeah. might be in the tour. And I was surprised that there were tourists on our tour from European countries. You would think that they Italy, would not yes. be in and Germany. You, you would think they wouldn't be interested. Well, they're always perplexed by football. So uh, that was fun. Yes, and, and of course, uh, the Green Bay Packers are, and, and Green Bay is the smallest of the NFL cities, and it's amazing that they can support a team, but the tickets are sold out. <laughs> what did he uh, say? If you wanted, years or something? If you want, yes, if you wanted Green Bay Packers season, season tickets, tickets, it would be a thousand years before you would get. There are 100,000 people on the list. And it would be 1,400 years before you would get in. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Yeah, some ridiculous numbers. So Good for them. I guess inheritance is the only real, real way to get uh, Green Bay Packer tickets. But I, I, it's a fairly small stadium and not very comfortable. No, it had metal bleacher seats, kind of like I expect in a high school. What the hell's going on with the Super Bowl this year? They're going to play it outdoors in New Jersey. What is with that? And sitting on those metal seats in the Wisconsin winter. Ooh-wee. That That's would a not different be story, fun. but yes. 
And then we headed to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Uh, the people who live up there full time call themselves Upers and pride themselves on being a little bit eccentric. And there were times, and when we were in the UP, when it made me think about Alaska. Uh-huh. Uh, there was a lot trees of uh, trees, signs for dog sled trees, rides and after trees and trees. After trees. These trees were a little more healthy than the ones in the permafrost of Alaska. And although we had been to the UP before, this time we did the North Shore, which is on Lake Superior. And we were very impressed with Lake Superior. Lots of sandy beaches. Yeah. And it wasn't that cold. Nice lighthouses. Very nice lighthouses. And we were very impressed by Pictured Rocks National Lakeshore. Lakeshore. There are four parks in the national park system that are lake shores all of them are connected with one great lake or another and the pictured rocks are not pictures that people have drawn but they are um, fairly steep cliffs that have been colored by rainwater seeping through them and depositing various sorts of mineral color on them very very impressive and we took a, a boat ride at sunset where the sun's rays were really making those colors glow it was fabulous. I, yep. would, I would certainly encourage people to give that a visit. And the campgrounds there were very nice. You can camp on the lake, which is nice. In several places we were able to do the, the camping on the lake thing. And uh, it's quite busy during this time of the year. So you can go either the North Shore or the South Shore, which would be on Lake Michigan. We've done the South Shore prior to this. And then we went to Taquamanon Falls, a local favorite. And a childhood memory for you. Taquamanon Falls is really not much, but it is a famous local, regional Michigan State Park. And and very nicely laid out for visitors. They Mm -hmm. even had a nice restaurant at the Upper Falls, not just a hamburger and hot dog. Which we actually ate at. And the Lower Falls, you can rent a little rowboat and uh, take yourself right up to them. And the Upper Falls are a big, whopping 50 feet high. And they have camping, but we refuse to take our RV in. Because we hate the Michigan State Parks. Camping. They're a ripoff. Well, for for us. Well, the, the car sticker was 30 bucks. And then you have another 30 bucks for the RV. And of course. Unless you're going to camp there an awful lot. And, of course, they charge you more because you're out of state. Yeah. Okay, so we won't rant and rave much more about that. But we did like the UP very much. Yeah. A lot of people go to the Sioux Locks as a culminating activity on the UP, but we didn't do that this time. We already had. So instead, we crossed the Mackinac Bridge to the lower part of Michigan. They call that the Mitten. And um, when this bridge was built in 1957, it was the longest suspension bridge in the world, five feet long, five feet, five miles long. And ever since that time, this is kind of amusing (laughs) to me, uh, they have um, made available people who will drive you across if you are nervous about making that drive yourself. Now, as someone who is nervous about heights and nervous about the motorhome, which is always wider than the road, um, I was kind of tickled because of all the bridges we've gone over. I didn't find that one to be particularly perplexing. Well, I think one of the things that makes it makes it kind of scary is the fact that you it has the center two lanes are just metal grates. And you can look and down. And you can look down and you can see the water. Yeah. And they did that for wind control. Cause it and to make it less the, heavy, too. And, yeah, it makes it less less wind <laughs> resistance. But uh, it's a little disconcerting. Not only is it noisy, but as you're driving along, you can see water <laughs> beneath you. <laughs> That's, 
I found, I found the bridge I don't know, I didn't find it bad at Lake all. Pontchartrain to be a lot more distressing. Uh, that's 13 miles long, <laughs> and you're not high over the water, but when you get into the middle of that bridge, you don't see any land in front of you, and you don't see any land behind you, oh, well. and they're just these two skinny little lanes. Hooey! But, but this is high off the water, too. Whereas the Pontchartrain Bridge is only a few feet. It's right the on the water, right? Yeah, so right. so that's a, a fun trip. And then we uh, took the ferry with our bikes to Mackinac Island because that's the thing you do there. Uh, you stay in Mackinac City, which is on the mainland, at well, the top of the Michigan. Poor people stay uh-huh. in Mackinac City. Oh, the yes. wealthy people oh, well, oh. stay on the island. <laughs> and the world famous Grand Hotel on Mackinac Island. Which is so grand, you can't. You have to pay as a to visitor go see the porch. To go Five dollars. Yeah, and, and, and flowers everywhere. It, it's really a la-di-da place and very nicely done. And allows no cars. So having a bike was very handy, and the other alternative is to rent a carriage or a bike. And we've been there before and seen carriage rides, but this was the first time we'd seen <laughs> carriage rides where the horse knew the way and there was no driver and they just kind of took you around. Like self-service carriage. They, they called it self-drive, yeah. but I think it was let the horse <laughs> drive. There's really only one main road around the island, so I guess you could hardly get lost or screw up too bad. Uh, I don't know. But, yeah. The horse just does its thing. But um, it didn't mean that we occasionally had to swerve to uh, Miss, uh, avoid the manure that the horses were depositing. And they have a full-time job there is manure cleanup. Yeah, these poor guys on bikes with little pails oh, picking it yes. all up again. So if you are in the Midwest and you're looking for kind of a remote uh, wilderness experience that is the next thing, next closest thing to Alaska, I would say, um, in terms of trees and lakes, and, you know, it's very green and very water-friendly and... Uh, they let you wash your rig everywhere because they have so much water, unlike out west. <laughs> <laughs> Something that is important to me. Yes. <laughs> Mr. Wash's rig often. You will have a good time there because it's uh, it's kind of low-key and there are lots of outdoor activities. And if you're interested in biking and stuff, uh, especially mountain biking, they have tons of – where was the – what was the town with the, the big-time mountain biking? Copper Harbor. Mm, yeah, yeah. That was at Mount Mount something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it wasn't a mountain, but I mean, they they had lots of trails, and it was. And I would think in the winter time, there's lots of uh, s- uh, snowmobiling. Yeah, we saw lots of winter. We saw a fair there. amount of speed limit signs that were for the snowmobiles, <laughs> not for us, which is kind of I, a tickle. I can't imagine going 45 miles an hour on a snowmobile. Well, we're not winter. Pe- we're not winter people. Well, yeah, it would be freezing cold too. The major event on this trip. Uh. <laughs> I think you should just give me an inoculation and knock me out for 48 uh, hours. She, the woman just complains and complains. I and hate complains. going to those service places. Well, so once every couple of years, we take our motorhome in to have it... Uh, to have a checkup. To have a checkup. We have the oil changed in between, but that's about it because uh, the service intervals are fairly long on this vehicle. But they have a their 41-point checkup. And since our chassis was manufactured by Spartan, Spartan, we went to the Spartan factory. We found uh, that as we have had various mishaps with our RV, that it's you, you have by far the best 
end product if you go to the place that made the thing in the first place. So if Spartan made our chassis, Spartan is where we should go. And we got our 42-point checkup. And I'm sure they're very competent, but why we made an appointment. We had an appointment for 7 o'clock Oh, here she goes. Oh, oh, here she goes. At least an hour before we get up. Ten times. When do they take our rig in to service it after lunch at 1 o'clock? And when do they stop working? At 3 o'clock. So we totally wasted the first day sitting in their lovely little lounge. Um, it was good Wi-Fi. Good Wi-Fi, bad coffee, and whoever got to the TV first, it made a real big difference. Fox. <laughs> what we were watching. Well, the first day was the Today Show, and the second day was Fox. But they have a free campground with... 50 amp service. All right. She, so she has her 50 amps for the night, and they have a, I don't know, it was about a 12 spot, and there were eight a or 10 rigs. rigs there, yeah. But it was kind of fun because everybody there was a it's Spartan not chassis. Fun. Well, but it was fun. Everybody to- has a story to tell about something that broke <laughs> or something that caught on fire or something that fell off. And, and I'm listening to these stories and I'm thinking, oh my God, is that going to happen to us? Where you see somebody limping and going at three miles an hour because they can't. And then we also learned from our fellow campers that we have a fungus growing under the oh, diamond shield yes. on our There was a guy there. Oh, front. we are planning to take the diamond shield off of our rig. And because you'll it hear looks another, so bad. You hear another rave when we do that. I'm sure. <laughs> now who's going to rant and rave about Me. that? Me. Oh. <laughs> this winter, one of our projects while we are parked for January and part of February is to take off the diamond shield we'd already planned on doing that and we've read some stories about how to do that and so you'll hear the complete report about this but we hadn't realized why we were getting all these discolorations under the diamond shield i thought they were like bug blops and stuff but we couldn't rub them off no the idea that it's a fungus that there's a little bit of water that gets in the cracks in the diamond shield makes good sense to me and we saw a coach that was a coach much worse than ours it was was like the whole front was gray and it was from florida so probably the Fungus grows said, better there than it and does they said, where we live. Oh, they said, oh, we can't get that off because it's underneath the diamond shield and Ugh. it's gray. Oh, or you can terrible. pay somebody $1,500, we heard, to take it off. and Because the paint on. underneath it should be good. And there was, some, there was a guy there who had taken it off and it looked pretty, they, they had done a nice, and it looked pretty good. Uh, in some places they took the paint off too. Yeah, well. Hopefully, I won't. Well, have to rant, uh, dear, re- about dear listeners, if you have experience with this, <laughs> if you have, and save me some heartbreak, maybe Bill or somebody else <laughs> has had some experience with this, because I think the folks that we traveled to Alaska with Ellen, Jeff, and Ellen, they paid somebody. They paid yeah. somebody, so maybe we need to do some more research. Anyway, we're planning to take it off. We so we had our forty-one off. point checkup. And we spent. Uh, and how many bad points did we have? Well, I figured it was uh, it was uh, fifty dollars per point. Oh, <laughs> and we didn't even get the seventy dollars boots. Boots. I would like to you see wanted some me boots. Spending seventeen hundred dollars on boots. <laughs> well, the next time you're you're saving for a cruise, yeah. <laughs> maybe you'll get boots instead. They told us that our our ball joint boots needed replacing. So we had all of our fluids replaced. We had all of our filters replaced and so the rig is ready for another 20,000 miles of fun and excitement on the road and i'm not going back to spartan anytime soon no you're going back in two years <laughs> <laughs> oh no no we're going back to get, to our, get ball, our boots to get our ball joints replaced oh, 1800 bucks for that puppy it's interesting that our problem is different than somebody else's yeah. but they but everybody has something rigs going wrong and most of the rigs there were fairly old 
I mean, in the ours is an 04, so there were many 04s there. So everybody had their own problems, <laughs> which are problems I will have down the road. And one of the guys was there was waiting waiting for a lift pump because in, at $2,800 for, oof, yeah. they don't uh, skimp on expense at Spartan, that's for sure. So from there, uh, we have come just a short way over here to Ohio, where we are in now enjoying the Labor Day weekend. And any of you listeners who are not familiar with the Midwest, there are numerous worthwhile scenic drives around all the Great Lakes. Now, obviously, Uh if you look at a map, some of them take you into Canada because that's (laughs) the other end of the lake. But it's certainly worth doing and gives you, as the T-shirts boast, um, an ocean experience without the salt. (laughs) That's a cool T-shirt, right? Something to be said for that. The ocean without salt. Yes, and it's very nice to go out in the water and not be salty. So from here we go down to South Carolina and then we're coming up to the Hershey RV show. And we've already been in contact with some friends who are going to meet us there. But if you are going to be in the area of the Hershey RV show on September 10th. the 10th, and that's when we arrive. So if you are thinking of going to an RV show, this is a, the largest one in the country. We've never been to it. It's in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And we're going to spend two or three days there to uh, check it out and see what's new in the RVing world. 1,200 RVs is what they say they have there for you to look at. So we should have some good pictures and an excellent report in the next RV Navigator. And if any of you can tell me why it's in Hershey, I mean, there's nothing against Hershey. We've no. been to Hershey before. But why it's is not lar- even on an expressway. Yeah. And why is that the biggest one in the country? Is that's, that- what they, that's what they advertise. <coughs> and one of the reasons why is because it, they introduced new models there, the why? 2014s. Because why not the- Nelkart? Because the they don't have a the, show in Elkhart. In the middle of the country, where more people could get there. They don't have a show. Well, they should. <laughs> no one listens. Well, the, the dealers have introductions in Elkhart, mm-hmm. but not... Uh, in Kentucky, too, remember? Well, that's the, yeah, that's the RV show that's in November. Yeah. That's the, but that's not open to the public. Right. This is the biggest one that's open to the public. And it's a buying show where you can go and actually buy your RV. But we will be there, and we're going to have a full report. So stay tuned for that. Um, but, you know, if you're buying a new RV, we've been watching this show called Buying an RV. And it's actually a show on um, one of the cable channels. And it's similar to some of the other shows that are about house buying. Actually, there are a lot of vacation RV Vacation home buying or <laughs> condo buying where the realtor shows you three and then you, you have to oh. guess which one the family picks. So this is the same kind of approach, only it's with RVs. And usually the people who are buyers have never had one before and or whatever. don't know much and about it. And we have it. enjoyed, by the way, the Brett Michaels RV show. Yeah, I think we talked about that yeah, before. Yeah, we we've talked about it before, but... It, there are so many episodes yeah and there's he does so much with these rvs it's worth watching if you have a chance to to pick it up what's it called rock my rv rock my rv right it's on sunday nights i thought that there would be three or four episodes because it must take a month to do each one of those i mean they take some of the oldest most junkiest rvs and they turn them into really kind special units that that are the people well the match yes exactly match the people that are the owners and i it's done by for free i don't know how they do it I mean, they spend thousands of dollars. Yeah, they re—they got the whole thing and they rewire and say, them. Oh. And you, these are the oldest, junkiest RVs that you've ever seen. And so it's—it's a, it's a pretty interesting show, but not really uh, relevant to RVing. But anyway, the buying RV show. We watched this one, and if you're buying an RV, 
and you're thinking about going to a show to look for it, don't get fixated on certain features that overwhelm everything else in the buying experience. There was this lady, and she had to have enough hot water to take a 10-minute hot shower. And that was her overwhelming concern, or at least that's the way they portrayed it in the video. And so she had to have... She had to have a hydro hot, which has unlimited hot water. That's that was the only thing that would satisfy her. That's expensive, isn't it? Well, hydro hot only comes in a class A expensive class A motorhomes because you got to have diesel among mm-hmm. other things. Mm-hmm. Well, most of the time, so there are some propane, but most of them are diesel. And hydro hot allows you to have unlimited hot water, and this was her primary concern. And I cannot imagine using that as the primary factor for deciding which kind of RV to buy. I mean, they looked at fifth wheels, they looked at uh, gas, they looked at diesel, and she, every time she would come in, it would be, oh, no, not enough hot water. And we have a 10-gallon hot water tank. Tank. For, propane. For the two of us. For the two of us. But we don't take 10-minute showers. You could. But we don't. Well, you could. And it's certainly plenty. Either, but. It's certainly plenty of hot water for any person to take a shower. And sometimes I'm doing the laundry in between our showers, and yeah. we never run out. No, no. Only on very rare occasions have we ever been limited by hot water. Most of our RVs have had a six gallon, which is the pretty much the standard one. This one has a little bit bigger one. And even the six gallon, we were fine. I never considered hot water to be a factor in deciding which RV to choose. I didn't even know this had a ten gallon hot water heater until I tried to replace it. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then the expense of it <laughs> shocked me. <laughs> I found out that it was a ten gallon. You know, think about the things that are most important when you're traveling. You're not at home and there are different factors and she, I don't know maybe she made a deal with her husband that everything had to be just like it was at home in her house yeah yeah well, so maybe she didn't really want an RV at all yeah but then she shouldn't have been on the show and then the second thing that I'm going to rant on just a little bit is all electric coaches now this is really beginning to bother me because one of our fellow campers at uh, Spartan was going to put in an electric refrigerator we and hear that more and more because the RV refrigerators are not very reliable and catch that's on fire not true ours has been very reliable the ones that all come, of the ones we've had the ones that come from the factory and once again have you have a to limited look, lifespan you have to look at the ramifications and he was thinking of putting one in because it was going to be a lot cheaper whereas when you look at at the Amish solution for the cooling unit on your RV refrigerator which we have had done and we've talked about before it was about $950 whereas a you, it would be hard to find a residential refrigerator that was less than that so the cost factor is not there in terms of replacement cost and the problem is that then you're stuck with not having enough electricity most of the time and you're stuck as i pointed out to him always having to have 50 amp and as we know from our trip right now 50 amp is not all that common common. it really limits you yes you can do it with 30 of course you can run the refrigerator on a 30 amp circuit but you can't do anything else i couldn't make coffee or run my hair dryer well you of course you couldn't when the refrigerator is not on Uh uh-huh but if then i'd be worrying about the food going bad if it kicks in you would be blowing fuses potentially and of course all electric rvs are going to have to have 50 amp virtually everywhere they park Mm -hmm. now we don't do a lot of boondocking, but certainly we like to have that option. And certainly we like to be able to have 30 amp or 20, depending on what. We, 
we can get along on 20 because well, all we need to do is to keep the batteries charged and to run the TVs and that sort of stuff. And if we don't do any heating, well, if we don't do any cooling, we can easily do 20 amp. Mm-hmm. That's a definite option for us. And I think you need, as an RVer, you need to keep that option open. Well, think of the ramifications of that decision. Yes. And there are more than just boondocking or not. It's always having to have 50 amp. And like the last campground that we were in... <laughs> The co-pilot had to have 50 amp, so we had to take a site that was not on the water because the sites on the water only had 30 amp, which was okay. So we took a site that was um, a 50 amp site, but that was our choice. That's not the whole story. Well, what's the whole story? It was only available for one night, the site that was on the water. No. Yeah. Then we, they had water because it was on the weekend, and we would have to move again. You don't want to limit yourself to having just fifty amp because, like this park here that we're in, which is beautiful, doesn't have fifty amp. And if you're in a all electric coach, you're going to be cooking entirely with electricity, which means your burners are going to be electric also, and they take a huge amount of power. This is a conspiracy by the RV companies to save money. Because they don't have to put an extra system into their coaches and a tank and all the stuff that goes with it, uh, so that saves them a lot of money. I like the propane. The propane systems are very good, and they work seamlessly, and it just works to me. It just gives you a lot more flexibility. There are times when I want to use the heat pump because I'm at a campground with good electricity and I've already paid to stay there, and there are times when the electricity is poor or it's too cold to use the heat pump, and then we can turn on the furnace. Exactly, but to have to use the furnace all the well, to have an electric furnace. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. That's another thing. All of your heat would be, ooh, that's another, ooh. Yeah. And and propane generally is cheaper than electricity, so that if you're in a place where you're paying for the electricity, then probably have, using propane is a better idea anyway. I'm ranting. I understand that. And we certainly want to hear from you if you disagree with that, because we don't have the ultimate answer for any problem, but this is our opinion. So if you are uh, of a different opinion, then please let us know. And you can send us an email at navigator at rvnavigator.com anytime. I've gotten a ton of mail this last month, which is really nice to see. And I try to answer it all, so if you haven't gotten an answer from me, I'm sorry, and I and remind me, because I will try to answer everybody. We like the questions. We like the comments. I've been amazed at how many people have recently found us and are going back and listening to all 100 episodes. <laughs> They've got a lot of time on the air. We really appreciate hearing from you about that because that's why we do this podcast is to give you some uh, entertainment while you're on the road. So thanks very much for all the emails. Uh, It's it's really heartening to hear. And several people have commented about how much they enjoyed the Alaska ones. Mm -hmm. That's a special place. That's a special place. But we know that all of the RV Navigator podcasts are special and fun to listen to. If only I could say that with a straight face, right? (laughs) On to another topic. uh, Some people are interested in uh, the latest technology that I have, and I just bought a new still camera. My Sony S110 collapsed. That was a Canon. Oh, sorry. Yes, it was a Canon. Canon S110. You haven't had a non-Canon camera for a long time. Indeed. It stopped taking pictures. That's the only thing I can say. I really like the camera, and it's a little but bit... not when it stopped taking pictures. Right. So I replaced it. I did quite a lot of research, and I did. I replaced it with the Sony RX100 Mark II. 
which is uh, the latest and the greatest of the Sony uh, pocketable cameras. And I wanted a camera I carry around a DSLR as well as a pocketable camera, which I use all the time. This Sony is has so many cool features. In addition to doing HDRs automatically, in multiple modes, it has it, it even combines them in the camera, which is kind of nice. But it also does the slickest panoramas I've ever seen. I think a lot of the Sonys do automatic panoramas. I'm a wide-angle sort of person, and I my favorite lens is a 10 to 22 on my other camera, which is a super wide-angle lens. And this, though, even supersedes that because. It stitches the ca- the pictures together in the camera. Now, I have, for a long time, done panoramas, where I go click, 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 as I pan across the, the horizon. And then you have to put them together with and software. And then you write. And just like the HDRs, you have to go back in at a later time and combine all those pictures, which is good. I mean, it has worked well, but you got to remember to put the camera manual. And there are a few tricks to, to getting it right. You can't use a super wide-angle lens and blah, 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 blah. Anyway, this camera, though, you put it it's got even on the on the dial you just put it into panorama and you, it lets you hold the camera any direction you want to and so you can do vertical panoramas as well as horizontal panoramas which is also nice so you can do ones looking up a building for instance and you just take it and go, hold down the shutter release and it just goes click, 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 click. Sounds yeah, I don't like know you're how many taking pic- like twenty pictures when you do it. It sounds like it's taking twenty pictures. I don't know how many it's taking, but you let go of the of the shutter release and it shows you on the display a finished picture. I and they some, look good. I had some concerns about how big they would be since yes. you were taking so many pictures. Right. Uh, they seem to be just ordinary size in terms of the megabytes that they take up. Whereas of course when I combine with my digital SLR, when I combine multiple pictures they are three times or four times the size of a normal picture which is good because you get all that extra detail so i don't know if they stand up to being uh made into a poster size yeah picture print, yeah. Which, we, which by the way we have done so that's not uh, an unreasonable expectation i've been doing some fabulous color printing at home and doing some 20 by 30s so on my printer at home, so that's uh, something that is entirely within. You'll have to try one out when we get home. Yeah. By the way, I've been using something uh, called at home called Red River Paper. If you haven't looked at RedRiver.com, take a look at them because they make some great paper. And this new metal pearl essence paper surface is really slick looking. It's very professional looking, and it gives your pictures kind of a, a luminosity, luminosity yeah. that you don't get with any other paper, and that's Red River paper. Uh, and it's very reasonably priced. So this Sony, though, is a very nice camera. It's a 20 megapixel camera uh, with a moderate zoom, uh, 1.8 uh, wide angle, which is nice, um, so that it has a lot of specialized features in it. And one of the things I didn't like about it is it doesn't come with a manual. So I've had to figure out a lot of stuff. I know. Really? Not even an electronic one, really? which really surprised hmm. me. I've had quite a few comments about the the uh, <laughs> the Phantom, the DJI Phantom. I had some great times with this. This is my quadcopter. And at the and, golf course, you did go- a lot of filming, and they were so grateful for all the, right. the video and stills you gave right. them because you can really fly the copter down right. a hole. This is a great time. And portray how all the tricky details are right. and how of a, of a it would golf be course. to play it. I see this as a huge 
business someplace so that you know these copters are going to be used for all sorts of things and i think they already are being used mm-hmm. in a lot of places we see flyovers and you just say they didn't get a helicopter they didn't need to get a helicopter <laughs> yes and so i've i brought the phantom with me and i'm flying it in various places uh, over campgrounds and things that we've been in and it's been a lot of fun and you almost kind of have to have somebody to do crowd control because people so, come and watch you and, and are just mo- amazed and most people haven't seen one and then i say well it has a camera on it. and they go whoa really <sighs> Yes, and uh, if you are still skeptical or still interested, uh, be sure to go on YouTube and look at some of the videos. I'm going to include a link to somebody who flew his quadcopter over Niagara Falls. Cool. <laughs> it is. You should have flown over to Quaminon Falls. Uh, I didn't have the copter with me, no. but yeah. It's you, always you wonder- a little creepy when you fly over the water. If yeah. something happened and it crashed and sank, it would be hard to But retreat. fortunately, it's very, very easy to fly. And it's been very reliable. And it's been very reliable, and I haven't crashed, really. I've Even got six batteries way. now so that I have uh, enough to keep me going for quite a long time. And actually, the six to eight-minute flight time is really plenty in terms of picture-taking. You know, I'm not doing acrobatics and stuff. We were watching one guy this afternoon who was doing acrobatics, flipping it over and doing loops and that sort of stuff. I'm not interested in doing that. But to convey one area, six Yeah, six to, and, and you, whether you're doing video or stills. And, of course, the GoPro really works uh, terrific for that, although it has that, makes the horizon look kind of bowed, although I found software that will adjust for that. It really makes you think the earth is rounder than it is. <laughs> I've had a number of people who said, oh! It's up so high that you can see the curvature of the Earth. (laughs) No, that's the wide angle on the GoPro. But I did have a chance. We were shooting some pictures from a golf cart, and the golf cart had the laser distance finder. Uh And I, somebody shot it. Was it you? Shot the the helicopter, and we it was up 120 meters. And you could still see it. Yeah, that's kind of the limitation to flying it. Everybody asks how far will it go, and I say it'll go 1,000 feet from the controller. But if it's 1,000 feet away from me, I don't think I can see it. So my basic criteria is it'll go as far as I can see it. So if it's about to hit something, you wouldn't know. Yeah, because you're obviously flying it without uh, <laughs> without any visual, just, just looking at it from the ground. So you don't have any live video to, or live look at what it's seeing. So... But the pictures have been good, and if you're interested in that sort of thing, you might want to take a look at the DJI Phantom. I talked about it last month in a fair amount of detail, but uh, I'm still having fun with it. I'm always interested in fixing things. And we have our portable Honda generator, our 2,000-watt Honda generator that we use at home. And well, we bought it when we still had our fifth wheel to yeah, use it yeah. as an it's, external It's fairly old, yeah. yeah. But we, now we have it as kind of an emergency generator at home, and... It wouldn't start, and so I was gonna. I looked up the Honda generator repair place, and I called, and they, it was you know a hundred bucks, and you know and I thought, oh, that's so much money. So I decided to go online and look at YouTube, and I typed in Honda 2000i, and whoop, there's videos about common problems that you have with the with this generator and, and what so, to do about and it. what to do about it so here's this guy he says oh it's almost always if they're if it's old and it's been sitting around it's probably just the carburetor jet is needs to be cleaned and he says it's really easy to do and here's then, how you and do then it he shows you how. and then you get out your screwdriver and you undo undo this screw and then this screw and be careful of this and take out this and in half an hour 
I had it fixed. <laughs> it was and amazing. Saved at least a hundred dollars. Yeah. So it really if, leaves you with the feeling that you can go on YouTube and find out how to fix or do. It, just it's just about so anything. helpful yeah. to be able to watch somebody do it because I'm fairly handy, but I hate to get in there and have springs popping out or yeah. or I disconnect a hose or things you don't expect. Well, and you know, which screw do you unscrew to get things out? And you know, you just hate to get into that sort of thing and take it back to the repair guy and say. Uh, now it really needs to be repaired. <laughs> and that has happened. <laughs> but with YouTube, I think almost, I mean, I was amazed. There's the guy doing exactly what I wanted to do, and I did it based on what he did, and it worked perfect. So if you are thinking of repairing anything on your RV, it Try probably YouTube. is available on YouTube someplace that you can watch them do it and uh, then do it yourself if you feel the least bit competent. Um, and if you, and then, you know, if you, if, if you watch it and you get into, and they get into it and you, and you say, oh, I wouldn't want to do that, or you need a special tool, you know, something like that that you don't want to buy, then you, then you know not quit, to do it. Quit while you're ahead. Quit while you're ahead, <laughs> which is probably off. Often the case too. We talked uh, uh, one time about uh, this couple camped next to us, and they were locked in their motorhome. Uh, that was a deadbolt lock. But uh, there's been a recall recently, and I will put the link up. If you're <laughs> you don't want to be locked in your motorhome, <laughs> I think that guy had to jump out the window, didn't he? Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, this was a. And then remember, the repair guy had to go in through the window. Right. They were really stuck. It was funny, but it's not. Remember funny. they called. Remember they called the front desk of right. the, or the, and the so office we can't at the get out of our ring. <laughs> when I found out about it, it's because the guy from the campground came over uh, the office and said, <laughs> tried, tried to help him and he couldn't couldn't get in no. and they couldn't get out. Uh, that was um, kind of a funny moment, but, uh, but not really. Not really. So now there are three million RV door locks <laughs> that need to be recalled. <laughs> but it's a different situation. That those these, This is on the regular kind of dual door lock that a lot of people have, on that trailers. one that goes on, on trailers yeah. and uh, fifth wheels. So this could be a very serious problem. So you want to take a look at uh, at this recall because you don't really want to do that. And we want to thank Tim in Texas for sending us an email and the link for that. Though. So thank you, Tim, for the email. And once again, we had some. We appreciate you sending us comments and pictures. Hey, we don't have many additions to the. Rig pictures to the rig pictures. Yeah, we haven't we've had mentioned a few. that in a long time. I guess. I know. Well, the added comments on iTunes would be nice. We are always looking for a good cell phone package plan. Remember that we switched to Verizon because it has better coverage, or at least we thought so. But it does we went, for talking, I think. Yeah. Well, and for data too. But when we went to Alaska, remember the Verizon didn't work at all. So, uh, the bottom line is is that uh, there is a new, or new to me anyway, an app that is <laughs> this, uh, that is called Coverage Question, and this app shows you c- the coverage of any area in the United States for all of the different services, so that you can make comparisons right there, or you can see if there is service for your uh, plan in, and whether it's 4G or whether it's 3G or LTE or voice only. So you can see where the plans uh, pick up and where they leave off. What's LTE? That's the old, that's the original data program. Oh. And so that's the, when you have Verizon Plus or AT&T Plus or whatever it is on your phone, that's what it is. So people that still have the unlimited data because they're original No, 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 no. Then? No, no, it just has to do with... Uh, 
whether they've upgraded that service to four, mm. three, or four G. Three G would be the minimum for data these days. But when we were in the Upper Peninsula, it was very interesting that I was looking on my phone on my new app, my coverage app, and. AT&T didn't have hardly any service up there. Mm -hmm. And Verizon had lots of 4G service. Pretty good. Yeah, so we were pretty happy with it up in the Upper Peninsula. And you can see in any given area by looking at this app, and that's called Coverage Question Mark. And you can get it for your Android or iPhone. It costs $2.99. It costs? I know. Some costs. And I had a couple of emails for people telling me about this book that I recommended last time about the winding, about the hills. And why didn't I know about that? Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> we're from the flatland, I guess. Because I didn't know about it. <laughs> it was new to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> what? You didn't know about that? It's been around for, I talked about it, I guess, as if it was new. But in it, fact, it was not new at not all. Not new at all. <laughs> people have been using it for, for hundreds of years, and I just didn't we're know We're sorry it. we're in the dark. <laughs> In the Midwest. If it's not available electronically, maybe I shouldn't be even looking at it. We are going to be looking at new RVs while we are in the Hershey Show. And when you are at a place like Spartan and you're getting the ka-ching, ka-ching bills for (laughs) the repairs of your somewhat older rig, thoughts also turn to maybe it's time for us to buy a brand new rig. Yeah. Or a brand new to us rig. Yes. Um, And... I think your your dream is always to to buy a brand new one and have all the features on it exactly the way. Well, you want and everything it and works perfectly. And I think you know that's one of the things we're thinking about too is things keep breaking. And and I have to say it's troubled me over the years that we have read a number of accounts and we're going to link to one that's especially lengthy, troubling, detailed, and rant and rave. Um, where RVs are not, what should I say? When you get a new one, it's still loaded with bugs, and you almost have to assume that you're going to spend the next month camped within 50 feet of the manufacturer (laughs) so that you can get all these bugs ironed out. Yes, and this particular incident um, is a result of uh, some folks who ordered, special ordered, a Winnebago Tour, which is top-of-the-line Winnebago motorhome for $400,000, so it's not by any means a a low-end machine. And they ordered this this custom RV, and when they got it, they found so many defects in it that they refused to take delivery. And they already were well underway of right. selling their they, old rig, right. and they had this, bought they were new not stuff new motor for home. this rig. And when you look at the pictures of the things that they took uh, pictures of that were defects, there were some pretty big defects there, including... Uh, bent control arm, including the fact that the front end was too heavy because whatever problem they had, it was overweight. And uh, there were major defects in this Winnebago Tour. And they blame it on the fact that the, the, the factories are just trying to put out too many RVs these days. I don't know about that, and I don't know the, the whole story, but you might want to read it. And I think it gives you a good lesson in what to do with a new RV when you get it. And you need to make sure, and Winnebago said, oh, oh, well, you just, you know, sign the papers and take delivery and we'll fix everything after the fact. And I think that's the way you're you're really tempted to do that. And they said, no, you fix it before we take delivery. And Winnebago actually said no, we can't fix it. Uh, and they didn't take the letter. And they didn't. I I, I, this, this, didn't happen, this didn't happen like overnight. This it was, was a process. 
It was a process. And I suppose this is comparable to when you buy a brand new home. I can remember having a punch punch list list, for the builder, little things that we noticed that needed to be fixed. How many and to what degree and whether they're fixable at all. Right. And if you found, for instance, Mm -hmm. the foundation was cracked and they said, oh, we'll fix it. And then you said, well, I'm not going to move in until you fix it. And they said, oh, well, we can't fix it. Well, you know, what do you do after you've paid your money? So there's some really quality control issues, I guess. And there were some definite cosmetic things. There were lots of little things, but they add up. And, and, you know, there's no reason why you should have a tile falling off the wall and things like that on a top-of-the-line coach from any manufacturer. So reading this particular blog (laughs) left me with the conclusion that buying a lightly used rig where somebody else has already done the punch (laughs) list. Which we did, exactly. Seems to be the smartest way to go, unless you like a lot of aggravation. Yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a tough call. It's, it's really tempting. You say, "Oh, it's got the new car smell, and you know, it's everything is fresh, and I'm the first person to use it and stuff." And but, I picked it exactly the way I wanted it to be. Right, but there are lots of other factors when you buy an RV like this, so that's your home going down the road, and you should check it out <laughs> big time before you actually sign the papers and take delivery, because I, I that's that's the best strategy. Make sure they fix it before you take delivery. So, please, dear listener take that as a caveat buyer beware buyer beware as always i i guess uh one of the things we'll we'll kind of end up on here is um the smallest of rvs (laughs) an rv that can fit in your sneakers right (laughs) that's gotta be a joke even though i'm looking at the picture of it here as we're talking about it okay well it's not an rv but this is sneakers that turn into a tent a little tent right so that if you're big enough a, to it, fit three campers inside, which is really hard to believe, I see only one. But this is a tent that fits into sneakers, and you might want to take a look at the picture and then click on the link. And you might want to buy new sneakers that contain a tent, yeah, just in case. Just in case you're wandering down the road and you have no place to sleep, but you have your tent shoes on. Also, we found, um, you know, if you're interested in. Um, in taking your family on the road, there's a family who's been on the road. They've 13 months, 67,000 miles, all 50 states. They, needless to say, flew to a couple of them. And the family of four has uh, has spent the, the year camping uh, courtesy of KOA, and it's quite an interesting story. So you might want to take a look at that, too. Average daily cost, and that's the thing about RVing, is, is that it's really very reasonable for a family of four $264.18. And they went to five Canadian provinces, too. And they went to a lot of places, right. So if you're thinking of a new way of, of traveling, RVing is really a nice way to travel. And then, of course, we have the, <laughs> the Redneck RV, which I will include a picture of at the end. She's oh, looking the at the picture. the one that's pic- on the car. She's looking at <laughs> She's looking at the picture now. And her jaw is dropping. (laughs) She was dropping. (laughs) And we will leave you with the Redneck RV. So, from Michigan, oh, from Ohio, near Michigan, we are going to hope that we see you in a campground near us in the next month, and maybe we'll see you in Hershey. Hershey Uh, Maybe we'll see you later on in the fall when we are traveling once again. It's been fun talking to you. We hope that you keep listening to us and keep giving us good suggestions and ideas and questions so we know what you're interested in. Exactly. We love the emails. Keep them coming. Keep them coming. Talk to you later. Bye Bye for now.